Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueretti, for this week's message. Welcome, everyone, to week five of our sermon series, Fearless. Excited that you're here. If you're watching online, grab somebody to watch with you and make sure you're ready to take some notes because we're going to cover a lot of ground today. Uh, Folks at Hohog who are watching along, really excited that you're here, too. It's always a privilege to be with you guys. Hey, we're going to be in the book of Philippians today. So if you have a Bible, uh, I want you to open up to Philippians chapter 4. So you can do that on your device. You just click on Philippians and then 4. If you have a paper Bible, um, which I always recommend picking up a paper Bible eventually because you can write in it and take notes and and, uh, make comments and all of that. And that's very helpful as you're learning about the Bible. And I'm always going to point you towards the Bible because that is our plumb line for, for truth and how to live our lives and what God really thinks. And so I, I will put the um, scriptures up on the screen for your convenience, but I encourage you to have a Bible or a device that you can follow along in the Bible that you're reading throughout the week, not just when you're watching a video. So glad you're here. And again, Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. And this is what it says. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, this is a pretty profound statement. This is the Apostle Paul, the guy that we talked about last week who who has gone through all kinds of persecution and suffering and, and everything else. He's been misunderstood. He has been beaten. He's been shipwrecked, all kinds of other things. And, and, and he's like, don't be anxious about anything. Any one of the situations that we went over last week is enough to make you anxious <laughs> about life. And he's like, don't be anxious about anything. And I think inherent in this statement is the fact that we can live an anxiety-free life, that it's possible, that it is possible. But the truth of our world today is that most of us are not living an anxiety-free life. And, um, and so... What I want to do in today's message is kind of give you a roadmap because Paul kind of gives us a roadmap of how to get from anxiety to freedom. And we're going to lay that out today. Now, I do need to be clear. This is a guilt-free sermon. If you are struggling with anxiety, if you are struggling with fear, something that we say around here a bunch is it's okay to not be okay. This is a safe place for people who don't have it all together. And I'm glad that you're here and there is a process ahead of you if you choose to engage in it. And God will walk with you with grace through that process. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. And uh, I hope that you will choose to move from where you are if you are currently struggling with fear and anxiety and worry into a, a better way of living. And uh, what the Apostle Paul does for us here in Philippians 4 is he lays out a roadmap for breaking free. Now, here's what I want to say about this roadmap. This may take some time. This is not like the you flip a switch and all of a sudden everything's gone. This is retraining your, your brain and your heart and your, your, your go-to as far as what you do with worry and fear when it comes up in your life. It's going to take some persistence 
and it's going to take some self-discipline. And for some of us, it may take medication, and I know that can be a very controversial topic, but uh, medication can be helpful when you're dealing with anxiety or panic attack, what I, what I have called in the past physiological fear. When our, when our body is so tweaked out by the uh, stress and fear hormones and chemicals that it releases, that it spins out of control. And, and you find yourself, if, if you've ever had a panic attack, I have so many, I have not had a panic attack, uh, but I, I know so many people who have, and you end up in the ER thinking you're having a heart attack because your body is just spinning out of control. Now, I am not endorsing medication, but I certainly, if you're on medication, there's no shame in that. Um, but you got to understand what the medication is for. Uh, medication is to stop the physiological spinning so that you can do the deep internal work that will ultimately bring freedom to you. The pill that you, the pill is not the magic cure. It just gets you to a place where you're able to deal with the deeper issues, and we're going to unpack some of that today. You know, it kind of works like this. There, we talked in the first week that there is a healthy fear, that fear is an emotion that God wired into us to keep us alive, to keep us from walking off the edge of the cliff or to, walking, to keep us from walking out in traffic without looking. You know, it, it, it warns us to be aware and make good decisions, rational decisions, be alert, but fear can spin out of control. It can turn into worry where we, where we start to think about the thing that makes us afraid over and over and over and over again. And we focus on whatever it is that we're afraid of, and, and that's when we ruminate on it, and that's called worry. And if you do that long enough because of the, the uh, hormones, the chemicals, and because of the thought pattern that you're beginning to burn into your brain, it will eventually morph into anxiety. And anxiety is more of a generalized uh, fear. You know, it, it, you might not even know what your anxiety is about. You just know that you're anxious. You, you've, you've, more, you've gone from, from a healthy fear to worry and obsessing about something and then to this generalized, like you become a fearful person. It, 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 it kind of it burns itself into your operating system and it is your go-to and, and you have this anxiety thing going on. And then that ultimately, if you stay at that long enough, will turn into physiological panic or physiological fear, which is you know, the panic attacks, you have so much adrenaline and cortisol and other hormones in your system that your body just can't take it and you kind of melt down. And, and there's a lot of us today living in that place. There is, so, I'm hearing so many reports of panic attacks and, uh, and, and this physiological uh, just terror. Um, and I think a lot of it, we talked about this last week, I think a lot of it is, is just the sustained stress and all that we've had to worry about for the last two years. And people's bodies are just getting to that point where they just, they just don't have, that, they don't have the, the bandwidth to handle it anymore. Like we, we get to a point where you just can't live that way forever and your body just kind of melts down. And as a society, uh, there's a lot of that going on. So... Okay, with that explanation, um, I believe 
that there is a way to reel all of that in and to live in a way where worry and anxiety do not dominate our lives. And, and I believe that because Paul says here to not be anxious about anything. And so let's, let's start. Philippians 4, verse 4. That's where we're going to start. This is what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that uh, you would give me your words to speak in this message. Lord, I pray that you would speak directly into the hearts of all those who are listening. Holy Spirit, that you would, would bring this message alive inside each one of us that we could choose to, and Lord, that we could be empowered by you to process what's going on in the world around us in a very different way. Lord, would you lift our fear as we lean into you? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing that Paul lays out here in verse 4 is he encourages us and commands us, actually, to choose a positive mindset. Now, you know, the power of positive thinking. Actually, positive thinking is pretty powerful. This is not the, I think I'm going to get a Mercedes, so I'm going to get a Mercedes positive thinking. This is training your mind to go to the positive side instead of the negative side. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, I think if you want the cliff notes to this message, it's 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 and 17. Paul reiterates this to the book, uh, to, to the church in Thessalonica. I'm not even going to say Thessalonica, something like that. All right, yeah brain fart. All right, he says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He reiterates this rejoice always. Why? Why is this such a big deal? Again, last week we were talking about Paul who was getting his butt kicked in shipwrecks and persecutions and beatings and all of that. And he said, these light and momentary troubles, like Paul had this perspective like that it was all, don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. Well, part, how, does he, how do you get there? How do you get to that place where you rejoice when, when things aren't going your way or when you're dealing with a difficult situation? Now, here's what I know about, uh, about all of us. Some of us are naturally positive people. We, you know, we wake up and the glass is half full, the sun is out, even if it's not out, and we are just positive people. There are some of us that are naturally negative in our temperament. This is a, I think this is a temperament issue. It's not like you're bad and you're good or, or anything. It's like temperamentally, we kind of come out with a, a certain personality, and some of us have that temperament that's more towards the negative side. And you think the people on the positive side are completely unrealistic. You, in fact, they irritate you a little bit. Most of us live somewhere in between and, and have a natural temperament somewhere in between. And I think what the Apostle Paul is saying here very clearly 
is you get to choose where you live, emotionally speaking. You get to choose whether you rejoice or you fret, whether you choose joy or you choose to go to the, the negative side of things. Now, is that fair to the people who have the, the kind of the negative uh, predisposition? I, I probably It's harder for you. I'm sure the positive people have their crosses to bear as well. But it's just reality, guys. We're all wired a little bit differently. But if you choose to live in the negativity, if you choose to focus on what's going wrong rather than celebrate what's going right and focusing your attention on rejoicing in the Lord it will steer you further down that negative road. It's a feedback loop. And, and Paul I, very clearly is saying, look, no matter what's going on, and you got to remember, he is writing to a persecuted church. He's saying, choose joy. Choose to rejoice. Choose to give God praise regardless of what is going on, the circumstances that you're facing or your predisposition. You get to choose where you live internally. In Romans 12.2, Paul writes these words. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, which would be what? Negative, right? Look at the world around us. It's pretty negative out there, he says, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Change the way you think, and you will change the way you live. And if you can train yourself, if you can renew your mind, and it's not, this is not just about being positive rather than negative, the renewing of your mind, but this is part of it, a big part of it. If you can choose to rejoice, to stay positive, it's a choice. You can choose to do that. It will change the way you see the world. It will break the cycle of worry in your life, or at least it will help. Now that we've got five points in today's message, so all of these things together are powerhouse, but this is huge. And you know, when we choose or we default to or whatever it is to go negative, that has a direct impact on our health. It has a direct impact on your mental health. Negativity tends to lead to uh, declining mental health. It does. And it has a direct impact on your physical health as well. Um, something that I've been learning about lately uh, are the ends of our DNA. I know I'm, I'm kind of a nerd this way, but so your DNA has these ends that look like shoelaces and they're called telomeres. And it was just discovered in the last 20 years or so that your telomeres directly reflect how healthy you, your cells are and how they like they determine your biological age based on the length of your telomeres and they've done a bunch of studies on telomeres and everything else but the number one impact on the shortening of telomeres in other words the decline of your health and your longevity and everything else is sustained stress you just keep stressing yourself out by thinking negatively and you are declining your your longevity, you're declining your health. You know, it's stress has been shown to, to feed cancer, to, to cause all kinds of other physical implications. Paul says, grab that thought and choose to rejoice. And, and again, this is going to begin to rewire your brain. Now, what he, Paul's not saying is live with your head in the clouds. 
He's not saying go around and say, you know, God is good all the time, even though my dog just got run over by a car. It's like, no, your dog got run over by a car, that stinks. Let's pray, let's weep together. You know, like don't deny reality. But he's, he's not saying live with your head in, in the clouds. He, it's okay to acknowledge when something stinks. He's just saying don't live there emotionally. Don't camp out there. And for some of us, this has become our identity. It's where we spend our time. We kind of become negative people. But the reality of life, if you stop and think about it, is we have more to rejoice about in our lives than we do to complain about when you really stop and think about it. But we tend to hang out in the complaint category. Paul says here, choose positivity. And when you're not feeling positive, rejoice anyway. It's a choice. And that will ultimately change how you experience the world around you because the way you think impacts directly the way you see the world. And it will break the cycle of worry and anxiety. And it starts here. Choose a positive mindset. Second thing Paul says is respond with grace. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Again, he's speaking to a persecuted people who would be tempted to respond back with, a, with violence or anger or whatever else. And he's saying, be gentle. Now, gentleness, I looked up gentleness in the dictionary. It is a temperament that's seasoned with mature, seasoned and mature with an attitude fitting to the occasion, level-headed and tempered. I put it this way. I came up with my own definition. Gentleness equals forgiveness plus self-control plus maturity. Gentleness equals forgiveness plus self-control plus maturity. It's the decision to respond level-headedly and kindly. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For the Spirit of God does not make us timid. In other words, the Spirit of God who lives inside of our hearts, if we're followers of Christ, He does not make us afraid, but He gives us power, and He gives us love, and He gives us self-discipline. Guys, there is a, there is a, a, a part of this that we have to determine in our hearts in our minds, and then in our behavior, that we are going to respond with gentleness because you're not always going to feel like responding with gentleness, with grace. We live in a a world, there's, you know, I mean, it's a culture of outrage. You know, everybody's outraged about something. I want to go off in outrage. And, and, and for a lot of people, this has become their identity. You know, they become warriors on the, on the social media or on television or wherever. And people are yelling at each other and they get all worked up and they're all about the outrage. And it's kind of their, it's their, it's their thing. It's their identity. For a lot of us, we get off on outrage. It's our adrenaline addiction. Um, and, and, and so, you know, if somebody does you wrong, I'm going to hit back twice as hard right now. And that is, that is everywhere, guys. And what, what Paul is saying here is don't fly off the handle. And don't assume the worst. 
You know, you ever get your feelings hurt, like you're walking through the, the lobby at church and your friends, your, your, your friends coming by and you're like, hi, and they just walk by and don't say anything. And you're like, man, they gave me the cold shoulder. What the, what's going on with that? You, don't, you didn't realize that their dog just got hit by a car and they didn't even see you standing there. But you put together this whole narrative in your head of, wow, I can't believe they just snubbed me like that. And, and you get all worked up and ang- and it's like, and Paul's saying, don't go down that road. Don't respond with outrage. Respond with gentleness. Respond with grace. Assume that they're having a bad day. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Why? Because when we respond that way, it deeply affects our inner world. It releases all those stress hormones that aren't good for our body, that take us places emotionally that we don't want to go. And it establishes negative thought patterns in our mind. And we can choose. Again, we get to choose here. Are we going to go that direction? Are we going to hit back? Or are we going to believe the best and be mature? Be self-disciplined. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't get angry. There are things to get angry about. So please don't hear me say that that, well, you know, again, live with your heads in the cloud, Hit, live with your head in the clouds and, and just believe that, you know, just go around going, well, nothing's wrong when there are things that are wrong. No, doesn't mean you don't get angry. Doesn't mean you deny reality, but it does mean that you're slow to anger, that you're kind in your anger, that you don't sin in your anger. And most importantly, that you're not owned by your anger. Because when we respond with outrage and anger, it uh, again, it, it it burns negative neural pathways in our brain, and that becomes our default. And for some of us, we're already there, and doing the opposite will begin to unravel those neural pathways and burn in new positive neural pathways. So there's a, a neurological and a, a medical and a physical aspect to this. There's a spiritual aspect as well. And one of the greatest examples of responding with, with grace that I know of is a, is a story that happened uh, many years ago now, back in 2006. There was a, there was a young man named Charlie who uh, lived in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He was a milkman. Um, and he walked into a Amish school and shot 10 Amish girls, killed five of them. It was national news, not because it was a school shooting. I mean, that was part of it, but school shootings happen. It was national news because of how the Amish responded. Charlie's mom lived around the corner. Her name was Terry. And she could, uh, she, they were all part of the same community, the same neighborhood. They knew the Amish families and all of that. And her son just something clicked and he lost his mind and did the unspeakable. Well, Terry Roberts, Charlie's mom, this is, this, this is her story. It says, in October 2006, her 32-year-old son, Charlie, walked into an Amish school in Lancaster County and shot 10 young girls, killing five of them before killing himself. I heard the sirens and, and I heard the helicopters, Roberts said. My phone was ringing, and it was my husband, and he said, you've got to get to Charlie's right away. It goes on, the story goes on, and she says, and I looked at my husband with these sunken eyes saying, just saying, it was Charlie. It could not be, she said, shaking her head with tears in her eyes. 
but it truly was. It was our son. Robert's initial reaction was that she had to move away. But the Amish came to her the night of the shooting to say they wanted her to stay. Some of the victim's family attended her son's funeral. There are not words to describe how that made us feel that day, said Roberts. For the mother and father who had just lost not just one, but two daughters at the hand of our son to come up and to be the first ones to greet us, wow, is there anything in this life that we should not forgive? Roberts now shares this message with those who have experienced trauma, and every Thursday she cares for the most seriously wounded survivor of the shooting. I can't get through that without kind of getting choked up. I, I, that's grace. That's responding with gentleness. That is responding with some self-discipline, some maturity, and forgiveness. And then for her to turn around and, and, and come back and serve and every day with that young girl and the, and the pain of, that that would bring up for her, of her son and what he did and all the questions. And, and it's just grace. It's responding with gentleness, guys. And that not only will change our world, and it will, but that will begin to change you on the inside rather than defaulting to the anger cycle you default to the forgiveness cycle, and you give it away. Third thing that Paul says, this roadmap for breaking anxiety in our lives, he says, remember that God is with you. He says, the Lord is near. So let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, I don't know where he's going with this. Like, is he saying, well, God is watching, so don't be a jack wagon. It could be that. Is he saying Jesus is going to return soon? So, you know, live in light of that. Could be that. Is he saying, you know, God's spirit lives inside of you? And so you've got the, the, the strength to not, not retaliate. I think there's probably some of that. Or is he saying he's, God sees what's going on? He's near and he's got your back. So you don't have to be responsible for justice or retaliation or any of that. And my guess is it's some of each one of those things. But in either case, what Paul says is don't respond with violence. Respond with gentleness in your heart and in your actions. And what that will do is it will break the emotional negativity feedback loop that happens when we go negative and when we respond emotionally to a situation. It gives you the ability to step outside yourself in a situation, almost like an out-of-body experience, like you're in a situation with somebody else and able to step back and look at the situation and choose to respond with grace and with gentleness, and it gives you control and it gives you peace in that moment. Fourth thing he says to do is to stop, drop, and pray. Take every anxious thought to God in prayer. Verse 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious about anything. This is, this is kind of where we started, right? And, and so what he tells us to do is come to God with our, the things that we're anxious about and pray. And, and if we will stop rather than ruminate on the thing that we're worried about, 
If we will grab that thought and give it to God in prayer, it will break the cycle of worry in our lives. And this really works, guys. I can tell you from personal experience, if your default is to worry, you will become more worried. Eventually, you will become anxious, and you'll just spiral out of control in that direction. But if you will stop, drop, and pray, it breaks the cycle. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, we're commanded to take every thought captive. This is a great example of that. We grab the thought. We go to God in prayer. Now, this is not, hey, at the end of the week, I'm going to pray. This is whenever you have an anxious thought, a worried thought, you grab that thought and you go to prayer. And it can be a one-second prayer. And what this does is it establishes a connection with God our prayer connection with God. Now, if you do this once a week, it's not really going to do much for you. It's kind of like going to the gym once a week. It's not going to do much for you. But if you do this throughout the day, you're connecting with God, connecting with God, connecting with God, connecting with God, and you bring him, you bring him this, uh, your concern. We are establishing that regular connection with him. That's prayer. And then as we present our requests, as we, and I, I like to picture in my own mind, this helps me. I grab whatever that thought is, whatever that worry is, and I bring it to God and I say, will you carry this? Because I, I can't carry this. And I picture him grabbing it from my hands and taking it and I, allowing him to carry the weight of whatever it is that was weighing on my mind. And guys, this has a profound impact. It has a psychological impact because no longer am I carrying the load it has a spiritual impact because I'm establishing this conversational relationship with God, not just when I go to church on Sunday, but all through the day, every day, and I'm choosing to trust Him with it, which is an exercise in faith, and faith is a muscle and it gets stronger as you go. And it has a very practical impact because God is the God of the universe. He is all-powerful, and He responds to prayer. It makes a practical difference. Stop, drop, and pray. Take every thought captive. Take every anxious thought to God in prayer. The fifth part of this roadmap that Paul gives us is this. Start your prayer with thanks. Start your prayer with thanks. He says, with thanksgiving. When you bring your prayers, when you bring your requests, when you bring your worries, do it with thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving is, is just spoken gratitude. Unspoken, unspoken gratitude, as I've heard it said, is ingratitude. You might think you're grateful, but if nobody knows that you're grateful, then you're not grateful to them. Um, I, I really believe that gratitude is one thing that God just really responds to. I think everybody responds to it. Like when, when somebody is, is grateful, you want to do more for them. And so I think there's that dynamic, but there's, there's this dynamic on us as well, because we tend to go negative under stress. And so Paul's like, all right, this is another way you can choose to not go negative. You can choose to go positive. Discipline yourself to thank God. And as we do, it reminds us just how blessed we are. You know, if you never stop and think about it, you kind of forget. You kind of start to take things for granted. But it also reminds us how faithful God has been as we begin to count our blessings, as we begin to be thankful for what God has done in our lives to this point. And, and, and it be, that 
that discipline of speaking thanks, of listing the things that we're thankful for, of thanking God for what He has done. It is a huge faith builder for us. It takes us to a positive place, and it reminds us, oh yeah, God has always come through in the past, and I am sure He's going to come through in this as well. One of the things that I'm not very good at, but I, I know is a helpful thing, is just keeping a journal where, where you write out the things that you're thankful for. Like, you know, take a couple pages in the back of the journal and write out a list of things, answered prayers, things in your life that you're grateful for, if, you know, your kids, the air that you breathe, <laughs> nature, whatever you're, you're grateful for, how God has come through. You know, and at one point I was preaching on this, uh, this passage and I came up with this, that uh, it's kind of a dad a dad saying, my, my kids rolled their eyes when I said this the other day, uh, but it's memorable, and that's this. An attitude of gratitude is the solution for your satitude. Um, it will, it is, again, every one of these things is powerful medicine all by itself, but when we put them together, they're even more powerful. But I think Thanksgiving may be one of the most powerful aspects of all of this. And the attitude you choose is more powerful than the mood you wake up in. And so when we choose Thanksgiving, it begins to change our mood. Well, in verse 7, he writes, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guys, this is a promise, a promise of peace. I believe that peace is possible for all of us. I really do. Now, it's a journey for, for a lot of us, it, and it will be. It, it, the, but this peace that passes understanding, he says, is going to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I, I picture Jesus standing at the, at the gate of my mind and my thoughts and sp standing at the, at the gate of my heart, you know, with that angst I feel in my chest from time to time with a sword, just like, no, I'm guarding. I'm guarding this heart and this mind. But as we look at what Paul writes here, guys, the truth is we have a part to play in our own freedom from anxiety. Every one of us, because of the world we live in, is looking for a magic pill or a magic prayer, something that will make it go away. But what Paul lays out for us is a journey. What he lays out for us is a roadmap to renewing our hearts and our minds and changing the way we see the world, changing the way we think, and growing our trust and our faith in Jesus. And ultimately, that is what sets us free. Now, next week, I'm going to finish out this passage, the next couple of verses, and Paul's plan for freedom from anxiety. But this week, this week, I want you to spend more time with this passage, with this material, than you usually do, because there is so much here, and I want you to get it deep into your heart. This week, spend some time talking about it in your life group. Spend some time reading the passage. Read this passage every day this week. Listen to this message a few times. You can get it on podcast and just listen to it. Journal about it. 
reflect on it. Spend time asking God to make these things real in your life, and you will be on the road to freedom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you have given us the ability to live in good times and in bad times and not be obsessed with the worries and fears and anxieties of this world. God, I pray for those who are, are stuck in, a, in an anxiety cycle, and I pray for freedom. God, and I pray for, uh, for all of us that we would step into our part in winning our freedom, God, and that we would experience your part, your power reworking us from the inside out. I pray your peace over us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.